The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, 30 years ago today, one of the most iconic photographs was taken from a balcony of the Beijing Hotel overlooking Tiananmen Square, simply called Tank Man. It was a day after the massacre at the square when Chinese troops attacked pro-democracy demonstrators camped on the plaza. Weeks of protests led to this, and estimates of the death toll vary from several hundred to over tens of thousands. Associated Press sent photographer Jeff Widener, Widener to document the aftermath. So we drew straws, and I got short straw. So I had to go out, and I was so scared. Pedaling, you see smashed bicycles, there's debris, you hear occasional pot shots from gunfire in the back alleyway. And I'd heard that the Beijing Hotel had security, and these security were going around using electric cattle prods on journalists to give up on all their equipment. And Jeff Widener, the photographer who captured that photo, joins us this afternoon. Jeff, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Um, what's going through your mind uh, today on this 30th anniversary of that photo? <laughs> uh, a lot. It's uh, hard to believe that it's been 30 years. Uh, you know, actually, uh, China's ahead of us by a day. So even though today is the <laughs> fifth, I think today's the fifth, right? It's the sixth there, yep. which means this is the day that I walked into the AP office after a horrendous night at the hotel. And there was a telex uh, board, and on it were messages of congratulations from around the world. It just blew my mind because... At that time, I was lucky. You know, I was just worried about not screwing things up. <laughs> and to come back with that kind of a reception uh, was just amazing. Well, let's go through that. I want to hear the story, and I've, I've been reading some articles because it's quite the tale of, um, you know, what you had gone through. When did you, when, when did you arrive in China? How long were you there before this, uh, before this happened? You know, I'm not sure if I'll never know the exact date, but I think it was about a week. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's 30 years ago, but uh, I suppose if I did more research, I could pin it down. But I was there a week before and then about a week after the uh, crackdown happened. So tell us about the protests leading up uh, up, till, uh, up to the massacre, because I see some of them, there was some singing and that sort of stuff, and then things changed dramatically, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it was like a carnival atmosphere. I would get up every morning around 6 a.m. and ride a bicycle from my hotel to the square, and I take pictures, and uh, what still sticks in my mind is that Goddess of Democracy they were building, which is facing across the street at that giant now portrait at the Forbidden City, because you have this uh, contrast of the democracy versus communism. Mm -hmm. And But the atmosphere was very uh, nice, and there were singing. Uh, some of the police women were singing. They had kids doing little, you know, dancing and shows and things. So um, it was quite lively, uh, but I had a gut feeling that it wasn't going to last long. And it didn't last very long. Within the next couple of days, all hell broke loose. That's exactly right. Okay. And I was in the middle of it. Yeah, and you were in the middle of it. I mean, before before this photo of uh, Tank Man was taken, I mean, you were hit the night before. There was, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a tank that kind of started smashing through the barricades and uh, they pulled soldiers out of it. Like, you got caught up in the, me the melee before this. Yeah, I, I had to work a night shift because our editor had left uh, back to Tokyo. We only had three photographers, so we had to decide who was going to work a night shift in case anything happened. Well, I was one of the lucky guys, and that night um, 
I got in the middle of an incident of a burning armored car, and I was running low on uh, film and batteries. So I'm literally waiting like 60 seconds, looking down this little orange light on my flash. And by the time, I mean, there's a guy rolling around on fire. There's a dead soldier next to me. I lifted the camera to my face, and a big chunk of asphalt hit me in the face from a protester. Mm. I was knocked silly, ripped my camera apart, blood all over me. I had no idea how bad I was until later. But, um, yeah, I was really messed up when I finally took that tank man photo the next day. So the next day, and this was interesting because if I, uh, you know, I, I heard a story that you, you, you had to draw a straw. Uh, AP had wanted someone to go and, and follow up on, on what had happened at the square. You were the one that ended up having to go to do it. But how did you get into the Beijing Hotel? Well, uh, you know, it's right out of a movie, man, because everything was, it, it just, everything seemed to be uh, a drama. Um, I had to ride about two miles uh, past all these smashed bicycles, burned out buses. You could hear spread of gunfire in the back alleyways, which I was really worried about because you never know a straight bullet's coming your way. Yeah. And then there was a big, you know, there's a big intersection with four tanks with guys manning with large caliber machine guns, and I had to get by that. And then waiting for me at the hotel were secret security police wearing white overalls and they were electrocuting journalists so they didn't get their notebooks and film. And I'm a big chicken, I, you know, no hero. I, I really was not looking forward to that. And I was already whacked up in this rock and I was suffering from the flu the whole time. But I saw a kid uh, look like a young uh, American student in the shadows of the lobby and I kind of went up to him like I knew him and I asked him if I could come up to his room. And so. The security guys, they were coming towards me, but as soon as they saw us talking, they kind of left me alone. And then I went up to the room, and uh, the student told me that I was lucky that I got there when I did because a truckload of soldiers just shot a bunch of tourists in the lobby, and they dragged their bodies back in. Oh, my gosh. Like, how, you know, and I know that you, you, you've you done this. You've traveled to, you know, zones, war zones all over the world, and you, you've dealt with this uh, on and off. But when you're in that position how how is it that you managed to to keep your cool about you or did you just say okay i've got to get this shot and get the hell out of here well i don't know if there's enough time for you to tell you what i was really thinking but i will <laughs> tell you one thing freaky when i was going across where those tanks were on the inter- on, on the uh, that intersection yeah um my brain switched to an earlier time when i was a kid i got my first nikon f2 camera i think i was just out in college and i was riding a bicycle to uh this park in Southern California that had a bunch of rocks and mountains. And I was so happy. And that was going through my mind the whole time I was going by these soldiers. It was like I just clicked and switched to another bicycle in another time. And and then all of a sudden when I got past it, I switched back to the reality again. I'm not making this up. It's not drama. It really happens. So your brain can do really strange things. Uh, Jeff Widener is the photojournalist who captured that iconic tank man photograph, Tiananmen Square, 30 years ago. Uh, so when you got to the room and you saw the tanks coming down, um, did, did, did you know what you were what you were getting? Did you think, okay, I've got a moment here? Because you know, I, I've been a reporter for 30 years, and it's like sometimes you're like, okay, I've got something good here. Did you realize that? Look, I've been black pretty good, and like I said, I was sick as a dog, so a guy walking out in front of tanks didn't seem unusual compared to what I'd see the night before. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I, knew it was gonna, I knew it was well-received worldwide. I knew it was a good picture, but uh, it wasn't until years later that I realized what I had done, and that was um, during the uh, – I was online uh, checking out some things, and AOL had a headline that said, top ten most memorable photos of all time. 
So I was looking at all these great photographs that I had seen as a kid in, in my school, and all of a sudden there's a splash of color, and it was my Tank Man photo. <laughs> and I almost cried. I mean, I got choked up, and it hit me like a bolt of lightning that I finally, you know, done something pretty amazing. What's amazing as well is that that photo, didn't you almost run out of uh, film, or you had run out of film and you had to get some more? You know, I ran out of film twice and two critical things. And uh, one of one of the times, the night of June 4th, probably saved my life because it made me come back early. Mm. If I'd have stayed there, I know I would have been in the front lines, and there's a really good chance, especially with a flash, I would have gotten killed. The second time I ran out of film was when uh, I was up in the room at the Beijing Hotel, and I'd been photographing, you know, you know, bus, uh, tanks pushing burnt buses out of the way, and there's people dead and dying being brought to hospitals. And I, I ran out and I asked this kid, you know, can you get me more film? And he came back with just one roll of Fuji. <laughs> and I normally use Fuji. So, you know, I put it in the camera, set it up, you know, an auto exposure and everything. And then I noticed it's a 30th of a second with an 800 millimeter focal length. And by the time I could figure it out, I was like shocked. The guy was swept away on the street by bystanders. And what had happened was the film that he gave me was less sensitive uh, ISO than the film I normally use, and so the automatic exposure in the camera uh, was calculating it properly, but in my mind, looking at the sun and everything, I'm wow. thinking of different shutter speeds. So I know it's complicated, but basically in a nutshell, 30th of a second, 800 millimeter lens does not mix well. No, okay. Um, so the three, in the, that went out, and this was, you know, this was back in the day, this 30 years ago, we didn't have internet. It wasn't immediate, goes out there and boom, it's done. You talked about walking into the office the next day and seeing all of these messages and going, because it went worldwide. I think there was a couple other journalists that might have taken uh, that photo as well, but it was yours that went worldwide, wasn't it? Yeah, there's three other guys, um, and they all have different flavorings. Um, their, their pictures are more defiant. Mine is actually when he's jumping off the tank and, and making a final stand, so it has more of a Gandhi feel yeah, to it. Yeah. And plus, mine has, mine has lamps in it as well, which kind of gives us some perspective. And But, um, yeah, I, I, it... it uh, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, you know what, that's okay, because I have another one for you. We've never really noted, we've never known, no one's ever known what happened to Tank Man. I mean, it's been said that he uh, it was it was still alive, but gosh, you know, given what was going on, that's sometimes hard to believe. Do you, do you wonder about that guy, Jeff? All the well, time? It's hard, <laughs> it, it, it's hard not to think about him, because I'm always reminded of it. Every time I yeah. go anywhere and people find out I shot the, the picture, they want to ask uh, questions and, you know, nobody can ask him, so they ask the next best thing and that's me, I guess, and uh, so I try to tell them what I think, but who knows? I mean, nobody knows where he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, going to be a mystery probably for a long time, but he's sort of like the unknown soldier, you know, kind yeah. of built stature through the years. How long after that uh, photo was taken did you get out of China? Did you have any more trouble there? I was out of there as fast as I could catch the next flight. I was there about a week. Yeah, done. One of our guys, one of our photographers just got on a plane and left. He didn't even ask. He just left. Really, eh? It, it was, listen, it was one of the worst experiences. I, I've been in a lot of hairy situations in Southeast Asia and, like you said, gun battles and wars and stuff. But this was the closest I ever came to dying. And that, we haven't even got into the diplomatic compound shooting. That's a whole other story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you know what? I'm taking a whole lot of your time this afternoon. I appreciate it, and I know that you've been swamped with requests for this. Just another question. When you when you look at that photo, what what does it stand for? Like, What do you believe that it stands for? What do you get when you look at it? 
I think of my wife, for starters. Your wife? Because, yeah, on the 20th anniversary, the BBC flew me back there for an interview, and I'm walking down the Chang'an Boulevard, and I see this pretty blonde, blue-eyed uh, German girl, and I chatted her up, and I ended up getting married the following year in Hawaii. And so now I live in Hamburg, Germany, and we've been married about nine years. So I, that's what I think about. <laughs> Do you have this photo in your in your home anywhere? Nope. No. No. Really? You know, I don't have it hanging because every time I look at that picture, it just reminds me how close I came to screwing it up. And it's a miracle that only one picture came out. I really, I, every time I look at it, I just think, what would have happened to my life if I had never made that photo if it if i just screwed it up and everybody let's say these other three photographers or four photographers had it and i didn't and i knew i was there yeah i mean can you imagine the self uh, abuse that i would get myself for years to come <laughs> jeff i want to thank you for joining us this afternoon thank you for sharing your perspective on this i really appreciate it um it, it's been a fascinating conversation and i really i really appreciate you taking the time thank you for this it's my pleasure. Love Canada. Been in a few times. Oh, we'll come back and visit again. Hey, come, come see us in Edmonton sometime. I definitely will. Take care. That is Jeff Widener this afternoon. So, again, he took that iconic picture, that Tank Man photograph. You remember seeing it. You've been seeing it over the past couple of days on the news. I know you have been because we've been showing it all over the place. You know, that that fella who walked out in front of that tank that was rolling across the, the square, Tiananmen Square, and just had like some shopping bags in his hand and stopped. And we didn't think that 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 convoy, that, that that rolling, there was like four or five that you saw in the picture was going to stop, and then they stopped. And then they tried to go around him, and he shuffled over and said, mm-mm. And then he crawled up onto the tank. He was trying to talk to somebody inside. And then when he came back down, he was swept up. People took him away. To this day, as we mentioned in that interview, no one knows what happened to him. Uh, no one has... Uh, talk to family members. We don't know if they're dead. We don't know if he was killed, if he was executed. Nothing. Nothing. And what's fascinating when you read more about uh, Tiananmen and what happened there, it has been uh, wiped really from the from the the psyche, from the collective psyche of the uh, of many of you know the the recent generations of the Chinese. Um, it is not discussed. It's not talked about during all of this. The Chinese military killed as many as 10,000 people during that crackdown 30 years ago. Um, Beijing has achieved to, has, has managed to wipe this memory uh, through an unprecedented crackdown on all forms of public speech in the streets and online, relying on advanced technology to automate much of their efforts while detaining people for making, you know, the smallest reference to what happened. Just don't talk about it. Anyway, uh, fascinating to talk to um, the, the person behind that iconic photo. Speaking of iconic photos, which one if you look back, if you look back right now, if you're thinking, okay, a, 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 a photo that stands out in your mind from a moment in time, of course, it's probably going to be another one of those times that it was, where were you when it happened? You know, maybe it was 9-11. Maybe it was Falling Man from 9-11. Remember that photo? Uh, maybe it was um, that picture of that, uh, that girl after, after the napalm was, uh, was uh, accidentally dropped in Vietnam. Remember that picture? When you talk about iconic pictures from a moment in time that stick with you, 
which one jumps out the most for you? Everybody connects to this that all hope is not lost, that you can make a stand. Now, there is some dignity and that you fight for your rights. All right, some of the iconic photos that you remember following up that conversation that we that we just had with the guy that shot the Tank Man photo from Tiananmen Square 30 years ago and was asking about um, which photo still resonates with you and oftentimes it's going to be one of those places of, you know, I was there when or I remember I was here when this happened. Uh, someone said, you know, Marilyn Monroe's skirt blowing up, uh, the Edmonton tornado pictures and the curd boy on a beach. That is one of the top 100 photo- photos from Time magazine. That was 2015. Alan Curtis. Um, yeah. Yeah, the war in Syria had been going on for more than four years when Alan Curdy's parents lifted the three-year-old boy and his five-year-old brother into an inflatable boat and set off from the Turkish coast for the Greek island of Kos, just three miles away. And then that picture of him face down in the sand. Um, the dying Ethiopian boy and the buzzard, yes. And what a story there is behind that one. I uh, was reading about that uh, today. That little boy ended up living uh, for 14 years. 14 years. The photographer wasn't allowed to, to touch him. They were told, don't help anybody. You had to stay away. And this big, fat buzzard landed down behind him. Just a heartbreaking, heartbreaking story. But that boy uh, made it to the feeding station and ended up living another 14 years, died of malaria uh, when he was... 14. Franz is on the phone. Hi, Franz. Hey, hello. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind this afternoon? Do you have a photo that just stands out for you? Yeah, I was a little bit young at the time. Just uh, like the spontaneity of that Berlin Wall mm. coming down. Mm-hmm. There's a, a photo of a fellow with a black jacket, black hair, blue jeans, with a sledgehammer, mm. kind of in mid-strike. Yeah. Yeah. And there's quite a quite a crowd around him. And it was just uh Yeah, it the, the emotions are from a photograph. It's a, it's amazing Isn't what they it? can yeah, it's uh, you tingle. Well, it can it can bring tears to your eyes. It can bring you know goosebumps. It can bring a smile to your face, depending on what it is. It can yeah. it can just you know fill you with horror as well. But yeah, you're right. There's something about an amazing photograph that just captures. And um, yeah, as you said, that one I remember. I know, friends, I know which one you're talking about. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that captures the the best and worst of us. Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, in a split moment of time. Thank you so much for, for calling. Appreciate it. Oh, always enjoy listening. Thank you. Thank you. Um, someone just texted in that first plane hitting um, the World Trade Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ida says, Jay, I think it was Time Magazine many, many years ago that had a picture of a firefighter carrying a little girl in his arms with a massive fire blazing behind him. It really shook me for a long time. Heroes, they're everywhere. We don't always have a camera in our hand, especially back before smartphones. You're right. Um, And going back to that photo of that uh, starving child in a vulture, it was shot in 1993 by a photographer by the name of Kevin Carter. It was done in Sudan. It was this emaciated toddler, and it was collapsed on the way to a feeding center. 
there. And um, yeah, the photographer, and it, it opened up a whole conversation about whether or not those there to, to document what was happening should help or not and the rules that had been put in place. But that photograph to me is still one of the most powerful excuse me, and tough ones to look at. Your most iconic photograph, which one sticks with you? Let me know at 6.30, 6.30.